Hey you, are you looking for some hope? Jane, do addiction cause you cannot cope. Hey you, are you begging for some peace? Those feelings of guilt seem to never cease. I know the bondage that you're in. The Bible calls it sin. There's only one way out. And that is through Christ Jesus. Sweet Jesus. He's the one who can set you free. And give you life as he did for me. He's the one who can save your soul. Heal the wounds and make you whole, Jesus, sweet Jesus. Hey, you, are you trying to find joy? Trouble with depression, you're its little toy. Hey, you, are you searching for a way? Living with no purpose each and every day. I know the bondage that you're in. The Bible calls it sin There's only one way out And that is through Christ Jesus Sweet Jesus He's the one who can set you free And give you life as he did for me He's the one who can save your soul And heal the wounds and make you whole, Jesus, sweet Jesus. He loves you, he'll help you, and take you as you are. He's mighty and lovely, the bright morning star. He loves you, he'll help you. Take you as you are. He's mighty and lovely, a bright morning star. Oh, Jesus, sweet Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hey, you, and you lived a life of crime. Ran with a gang and now you're doing time Hey you, it's sex the drug you crave It's ruined your life and now you're lusting for the grave I know the bondage that you're in The Bible calls it sin There's only one way out And that is through Christ Jesus Sweet Jesus He's the one who can set you free And give you life as he did for me He's the one who can save your soul And heal the wounds and make you whole Jesus, oh Jesus Sweet Jesus, oh Jesus
All right, uh, good morning, guys. Could you turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 15, verse 22? Romans chapter 15, verse 22. All right, as we normally do, we take a moment of silent prayer to prepare ourselves, to hear what the Spirit says to us through the teaching of the Word. And if uh, there's anything that's disturbing or distracting to you, do what 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxieties upon the Lord because He cares for you. So in the privacy of our very own royal priesthood, with our heads by and our eyes closed, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us, another day to gather together with each other and to study your word. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for the completed canon of scripture. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit inspiring the human authors of scripture to put down with perfect accuracy in the original languages your complete and connected thought to mankind and what you desire of man, revealing yourself, your character and nature and who and what you are and your son and the spirit and what you've done for us uh, through them and the past they're doing for us now will do for us in the future. We thank you for the people that you've ra- that throughout church history who you raised up who were uh, the the human agents in the uh, in scripture, those men and women who gave their lives for the Bible that we now have in our possession, those who sacrificed their lives so that we could have this Bible in front of us. And we thank you for the fact that Father that you put us in this part of history where we have the completed canon of scripture. Because we know in the Old Testament they didn't have Ephesians, they didn't have Philippians. And we even know in the first century they didn't have these things. So we just thank you, Father, that we have all 66 books of the Bible and that we can learn everything we need to know about you and and what you desire for our lives so that we can be successful in your eyes. And we pray, Father, we lift up our ministry here at Prairie View Christian Church and we just pray, Father, that that all of us in this ministry... We continue to grow in love toward you and each other. We know, Father, that your son uh, is, uh, walks in the midst of the lampstands, that he is governing the churches through the Spirit, and we know that he is doing so in our ministry as well. And we know, Father, that you're doing a mighty work, so we're just looking, watching and see what you do. And we just pray, Father, that you would guide uh, us, the leadership of this church, and what you would have us to do. And just also, Father, we just pray that you would add to our number I want to thank you for the individuals that you have raised up in this ministry that are uh, positive to the Word of God. And we just thank you, Father, for those who do give their time, talent, and treasure and pray for this ministry, and even those who don't and who are not serious yet about their relationship with you for whatever their, their reasons. And we just pray that you would show them in their lives and in the life of this church the importance of the Word of God and not taking it for granted. And uh, we just pray, Father, that... Uh, that, this would, uh, that you would do this for the people here in Iowa and all around the world and other, par- other ministries and other parts of this country and the world where Christians are being distracted by the cosmic system of Satan and that are getting all worked up about things that are non-essentials rather than the essentials 
and life, which is a, a relationship and fellowship with you and your Son and the Holy Spirit. And we pray that you would help the communicator this evening, help him to deliver you a full counsel, totally aware of the fact that he's in your presence and delivering the message to your people that are here in the chapel and those who might be listening on Pal Talk and the Internet at this time or going to our website at a later date. Help him to do this. We know he, can do, he cannot do this, accomplish this task without the, the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. So we pray that the Spirit would do a mighty work through the communicator and also the audience, that the audience, the Spirit would work mightily and powerfully in and through the audience as well so that as a result that the congregation will go, continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and that uh, you and your Son Jesus Christ, uh, Father, would uh, be lifted up and glorified that all of us with one voice would glorify and praise you and your Son. So, Father, we pray for these things in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, I was going to have you go to Romans 15:22, but I think it would be better if we pick it up in context. At Romans 15:14, if you could do that. Go to Romans 15:14, And we're going to uh, study this evening in our verse-by-verse study of the book of Romans. We're going to study Romans 15:23, And in this verse, we see that Paul's going to present two reasons why he confidently expects to visit his readers in Rome while passing through whenever he is allowed by the Holy Spirit to travel to Spain. So he started bringing out some things about the Holy Spirit last evening because he is the one who's governing Paul's ministry. And he should be the one that's governing any ministry. And the Holy Spirit we see here is governing, is guiding and directing Paul to a new phase in his ministry. As we've seen Paul in Romans 15, 19, he says that he's actually completed the task of proclaiming the, uh, the gospel to the Gentiles from Jerusalem all the way up to the Roman province of Illyricum in the, uh, uh, the northernmost extremities of the Roman Empire in the first century. That's quite, that's, uh, quite, a, uh, quite a, a lot of work that he did. And he did that according to the power of the Spirit. We saw that in 2 Corinthians 11, the different tri- trials and tribulations that he, he went through and the power that he, of Christ and the Spirit that he depended upon to accomplish this task. And we say it was about 20 years that it took him to fulfill this task because he was saved around 35, 37 A.D., somewhere around there, and not too long after the resurrection of Christ, which was probably around 33 A.D. So let's say about, give or take, maybe 35, 37 A.D. And then he wrote this epistle from Corinth in 57 A.D., and it was in the winter of 57 A.D., and he was about ready to embark on the final phase of his mission to the, on behalf of the Gentiles. And we see that, uh, so that was about 20 years it took him to church plant. Now remember, he wasn't, when he, when he says, I fully accomplished the task of proclaiming the gospel from Jerusalem to Illyricum, that doesn't mean he, he taught the gospel or taught every believer in those areas. What he was doing was church planting. He'd go in, let's say, to a certain city who never heard of Christ, or never heard of Jesus of Nazareth, and that you can get saved through faith in him. And he would proclaim it there, start a church there, move on. He'd send his emissaries like Timothy and Titus and Epaphroditus and Tychicus to check out those churches and make sure that they were doing the right things. And these were Gentile churches. And so we see that he's, as he's writing this epistle uh, from Rome, he's realizing he knows that the Holy Spirit has done a mighty work uh, through him and actually expanding the church. Remember, the church's origins are Jewish and as we see the book of Acts, for instance, the book of Acts actually records the, the growth of the church from being Jewish into being a worldwide phenomena. And uh, that's what we see in our day and age today. See, we, here in the 21st century, we're, we're, we're so, t- uh, we're so uh, uh, limited in our vision of the church. The church has its origins among the Jews, 
and it, now it's a worldwide church and that also we're predominantly Jewish in the church of Jesus Christ. That wasn't the case early on in the, in the, in the infancy of the church. So Paul is writing from Corinth and he's, and as I've been bringing out, he's at a crossroads in his, in his life. He is going to complete, he's about ready to go into the finals, uh, final stage of his mission on behalf of the Gentiles by delivering a gift from the churches of Macedonia and Achaia, who were Gentile. They took up an offering for the poor Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, and he was going to deliver that as a token or as a symbol of solidarity between the Gentile Christians throughout the Roman Empire and the, that Paul evangelized and the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. And as we've been trying to bring out in the book of Romans, and the book of Romans is continually brings out this theme that God right now in the church age is calling out a people for himself, not only that are Jewish in race, but also Gentile. And Paul throughout this Roman epistle has been showing from the Old Testament scriptures that it was predicted that his ministry to the Gentiles, that Gentiles would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, was predicted in the Old Testament. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3 that he brings out something that was not known in the Old Testament uh, prophets. Namely, that Gentile believers and Jewish believers would be fellow heirs of one another in Christ Jesus. That was something that was not known to Old Testament saints. So here's Paul. He's sitting right in this epistle to the Romans. It's 57 AD, and he knows that the final stage of his, mis- his, his ministry if, uh, uh, this part of his ministry to the Gentiles is coming to an end. He knows that he, once he delivers this gift uh, in the spring of 58 AD to the Gen- uh, Jewish churches as a token of Gentile and Jewish solidarity, he knows that from there he's going to go to Rome. However, he doesn't, he, as he gets, as he makes his way to Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit, as we see in Acts chapter 19, makes it clear to Paul that he's going to be in prison. Though he doesn't, the Holy Spirit doesn't tell him not to go there. The Holy Spirit just tells them, tells Paul that you're going to suffer there. And a lot of uh, Bible expositors read into that, that the Holy Spirit didn't want Paul in that dangerous situation. That is not the case. The Holy Spirit will oftentimes bring you into situations that are dangerous, that are very difficult. And that's the case with Jesus when he went into the desert. With the, to fight the devil. Who was, who was driving Jesus to go, go hand-to-hand combat with the devil? It was the Holy Spirit, if you read Luke 4. Who was, the, who was driving Jesus Christ to go to the cross, that, going to suffer? The Holy Spirit. So he offered himself up through this, the eternal spirit, Hebrews 9.14. And as we were bringing out last evening, the Holy Spirit will many times ask us to do things and, and go into situations that are very uncomfortable and difficult for us. And Paul knows that. Paul's sitting right in this epistle. He knows that he's now going to come to this final stage of this period of his life. And then he's going to go to Rome once he accomplishes this thing that he has to do in Jerusalem. And he's going to go to Rome, but his actually his ultimate destination is Spain. He wants to go to the western extremities of the Roman Empire. He wants to solicit the Roman believers' help, not just to visit with them and to hang out with them and have fellowship with them and to be refreshed by them and to impart a spiritual blessing to them through communicating the word of God. But also he wants their material and financial aid because he needs that so he can evangelize Spain. He can't do it with no assets. And that is what he's going to do when he gets to Rome. His ultimate destination was not Rome, but to go to Spain. And again, we see that Paul, he is uh, going, and now we, we see this evening, in verse 23 of chapter 15, 
Paul's going to present two reasons why he confidently expected to visit the believers in Rome while passing through whenever the Holy Spirit permitted him to travel to Spain. So we're going to see that Paul knew he was going to get to Rome. He knew he was going to get to Spain. And we know that because of the language he uses here, especially in Romans 15, 24, where he says, I'm confident, when he says hope to see you, he actually the word means, I confidently expect to visit you. So who inspired him to write that? The Holy Spirit. So we know that this confidence is spirit-inspired. Thus, he knows and he will get to Spain and he will get to Rome. So this is what we see. Paul, in verse 23 of chapter 15, is going to present two reasons why, the, why he confidently expects to visit his readers in Rome while passing through whenever he is allowed by the Holy Spirit to travel to Spain. Now look at Romans 15. Look at verse 14, please. Romans 15, verse 14. Paul says, In concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. How did he know that? He got reports from the people that he mentions in Romans 16. Then why write then, Paul, if you believe this about us? Verse 15. But I have written in this epistle... Very boldly do you on some points, namely the commands and prohibitions that he, he, he gave them in the, in the main argument. So as to remind you again, because of the grace that was given me from God, that was his responsibility, the grace he's talking about is his apostleship, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, or because of my servanthood for Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. The things pertaining to God are those items he mentioned in verse 16. Verse 18, For I will not presume, or I will never presume, it's more emphatic in the original, to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. That was the secret to his successful ministry resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. May I send, uh, throw that out, uh, something out there too? Uh, just because people don't respond to a person's ministry, the, remember the parable of the seed and the soils? Just because people don't respond to the person's ministry or Paul's ministry, remember a lot of people rejected Paul's ministry, especially in Jerusalem. And uh, we see that, that that doesn't mean that there's anything bad on the part of the communicator. It could be negative volition in the area that the person is evangelizing or teaching the word of God. See, the hearers have a responsibility as well. Read the parable of the seed and the soils. So then he says in verse 19, In the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem, that's where he got his commission from the Lord Jesus Christ while he was in the temple, uh, from Jerusalem and round about, as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Meaning I fulfilled the task that Christ gave me to proclaim the gospel. So right there is the key statement there. That last statement, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. That means he's done everything that Jesus Christ wanted him to do. He preached from Jerusalem as far as Illyricum. Let me show you a map on the board. I've been bringing this map up from time to time. But I want to show it to you again. Because I think it's really fascinating what the Apostle Paul did. And let me just give me a second here to load this up here uh, on my computer with the Logos program. But let me see if I can get this up here. All right. All right, so there we have it. Here's, here's Jerusalem down here. You see my mouse clicker, see? Here's Jerusalem right here. And now what he did 
if I move the thing over here, there is where he is. He goes all the way up to here. So all of these provinces, let me back a track. Here's Jerusalem down here, down in the, in the bottom right-hand corner of my map. Now he goes north. Obviously, he's not going across the Mediterranean. He's going north. He's going into Syria. That's where he actually got saved. Antioch up here. He proclaimed the gospel to the Jewish, uh, uh, Greek-speaking Jews up there. Then all these, Bithynia, Pontus, Cappadocia, Thrace, Macedonia, all these are Roman provinces. Like Canada has provinces. United States, America has states. And then he goes up to Illyricum, which is just north of Italy. Eventually, he's going to go to Rome. But north of, northeast of Italy that we see is Illyricum. And that is the region that he went. That was the northern extremity of Paul's ministry. He said that he's fully proclaimed the gospel in those regions. Did he talk to every person about Christ? No. His job was the church plant. Start a church, get it established, and then move on. That's what he did. That wasn't what apostle of the Gentiles did. And so what, so that means, now remember I told you last evening, is, and I mentioned here this evening, Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead and was ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, probably around 33 A.D., approximately, give or take a few years. Now, Paul gets saved not too long after that, if you read the book of Acts, maybe 35, 36, 37 A.D. So let's say, be conservative, and let's say it's 37 A.D. And 57 A.D., he's writing this from Corinth. Okay, that's 20 years it took for him to cover all that territory. Now, he didn't do it on car. He did it. He didn't do it on with a plane. He did it on foot, on horseback, on a donkey, on the back of a cart, walking it. He did it, and he went through all kinds of turmoil and adversity, as we saw on Sunday. That tells us the dedication of the man, and it sets a good example for all of us to follow. A standard that we can shoot for. Not all of us are going to be like the Apostle Paul, but it's something that we should shoot for. That kind of dedication, that kind of drive. And we saw last evening, what was driving Paul to do this? It was his love for the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the power of the Spirit. The Spirit was the one who gave him, who was able to do miraculous things. What he did in 20 years is miraculous. Yes, he had help from other people. It was still miraculous because he went into dangerous territory. He had he had a, he was attacked constantly. Remember, the devil was constantly dogging his footsteps, well, like he does with every communicator of the word of God, trying to break down what he's trying to build. The spirit's trying to build through him. So you see, Paul. This is what is secret of his ministry: Christ working through him in the power of the Spirit. And that's why he, that was how he was able to accomplish so much with so many of those people that he mentions in Romans 16 that were his helpers and who helped him throughout his ministry. So here we have Paul. That's the ground he covered. He's saying in Romans, if you look at your passage in Romans 15, 19, he says at the end of the verse, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. That's a key verse because that tells you he's done with this phase of his ministry. He's ready to finish it off and move on to the next phase. That statement there in verse 19 is key to understanding the next uh, the, the statements in verses 22 and 23. So we see in Romans 15, 20 now. Look what he says in verse 20. And thus I aspired, it was my ambition to preach or proclaim the gospel, not where Christ was named, where he was known, but where he was not known. So he says, and thus I aspire to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. That's not arrogance. That's because he doesn't want to over, he doesn't want to do the same work somebody's already done. <clears throat> as I, as I made uh, the point Sunday, 
If a church, if the church's uh, Christianity was established in Des Moines, Paul wouldn't waste his time going there. He'd go someplace where, like if it was Iowa City, was nothing but heathens. He'd skip Des Moines and go there to Iowa City and evangelize there. He didn't want to repeat another man's work. If John already hit a city or Peter, he wasn't going to go there or some other evangelist or some other pastor. He wouldn't waste his time. He'd go because he didn't, he knew. You see, Paul, he lived in light of the imminent return of Christ at the rapture. We know now from here, from, from uh, because of where we are now in history, that centuries have passed and the rapture still hasn't happened. And so we see Paul, he didn't know that. Paul lived with a sense of urgency and he tried to cover as much ground as he could before he was taken home by the Lord, before the Christ came back, one or the other. So this is, Paul had a sense of urgency. He was empowered by the Spirit, Christ working through him, and he had a, and what motivated him to do this and to suffer for the cause of Christ is his love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Always remember that about Paul. And the, um, you might say to yourself, why is this individual so diligent for the Lord? Why is this person so zealous for the Lord like Paul? It was because he loved Jesus. Love will make you do crazy things. Love will make you leave your home and family like the apostles and go somewhere else. Follow Jesus. Leave behind everything. Don't miss that about the apostles. The, all the apostles, it says in Mark 10, they left everything behind because they loved Jesus, to follow Jesus. They left businesses. These guys were wealthy guys. They weren't like some, uh, some guys that were, uh, uh, that were paupers like, like they portray them in, uh, in the movies today. These guys had businesses. John, had a, John and his brother had a fishing business. They had servants. To have servants, you had to be wealthy. You had to, had to have some kind of money. So these guys had their fishing businesses. They, Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew was a very wealthy person in that day and age. And what did he do? He left it all behind to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. What would cause somebody to do that? What would cause an Abraham to leave behind his family and friends and fall, go 1,400 miles to a place that he didn't even know where he was going? He said, the Lord said, I'll show you when you get there where I'm going to lead you. What would cause the Apostle Paul to leave behind everything and to follow after Christ? It was love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Love will do, make you do crazy things. Love will make you go, hey, look, when you fall in love with somebody in the natural realm, a husband and a wife, boyfriend and girlfriend, you do silly things, right? You, love makes you do anything. Will make you do crazy things. Same thing in the spiritual realm. The love for the Lord will, will cause you to, to do crazy things. Hey, Paul appreciated the fact that God treated him in grace. Don't miss this about Paul. Paul persecuted the church. You think you have guilt in your life? Huh. Paul had, well, he had a fight that his whole life that he knew and everybody knew that he persecuted Christians and he held the cloaks of those who killed Stephen, the first martyr of the church. Imagine what he had to overcome. And he appreciated the fact that his sins were forgiven at the cross. That's what, that, and Paul says, it was in Galatians 2.20. Uh, says, he says, uh, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live now, I live in the, uh, in the flesh. I live uh, by, the, uh, by the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He, that's what drove Paul. You, get, you did this for me. I, I, I'm obligated. I want to. I'm not just obligated, Paul saying. I want to do it. I love you. Thank you. for. When somebody does something good for you, I mean, unless you're a cold-hearted son of a gun, you, you should respond back to them. And that's, what, that's why... I get so upset sometimes with Christians and their lukewarmness, which is predicted in, in, in Revelation chapter 2, or chapter 3, later see in church. But 
how ungrateful it is for us to God when we don't have time for God. That we don't, we can't set aside time for God. How ungrateful are we? We need, I do, you know, somebody asked me, oh, how many hours I, we, I work a week? I work, I, I work about 80 hours. I'm not just sitting there saying, oh, I don't think about it as eight. I'm not looking at the clock and counting my hours. I, I, somebody asked me to figure it, uh, John was asking me, how, how many, figure it out. How do you, and what would make me do that? He forgave me a lot of sins. <laughs> He's forgiven me a lot of sins now. He's forgiven me his sins in the future. I'm going to live with him forever. I, I don't see any other, any other reason why. What would make you come to Iowa, Bill? I love him. What would make you give up your family and everything? I love him. I love him. Don't ask me. Love. Love is what drove Paul. And it drove Paul to do great things. So that's what, make, that's what drove the apostles to, to leave behind everything to follow Jesus. Love that Jesus. Because they appreciated what Jesus did for them. Every single last one of them. Look at Peter. Denied the Lord three times. Denied the Lord three times. Can you imagine doing that yourself? I don't think, I don't think even murder is worse. I think that what Peter did was probably the most hyenas crime in the history of the world outside of uh, betraying Jesus. You know why I say that? Because he betrayed the Son of God. This wasn't a sinner saved by the grace of God that he betrayed. This wasn't a sinner he betrayed. This was the God's perfect son he betrayed. He, he, uh, he denied three times. That he never knew him. And he cursed them that he said he, he ever knew him. And think of the guilt that Peter had overcome. And then when Jesus forgave him, and Jesus gave him grace, and didn't hold it against him and forgave him, that always stuck in Peter's mind. Don't miss that. That's what drove Peter to die on a cross upside down. He wouldn't go right side up because he didn't want to be in the same ballpark as Jesus. He wanted to, he didn't, he wasn't, he felt he wasn't worthy to be crucified right side up. I mean, think about that. That's what church history says. What, what love? Love drove Peter. Love drove Peter. He remembered what Jesus did for him. He appreciated the forgiveness that he had. You know, there's a woman in Luke 7. The woman in Luke 7 who was a prostitute. We know that because her hair was undone and there were other things that said in the passages we studied, Luke 7. And she, with her tears, wiped Jesus' feet. He anointed his head with oil. Very expensive. It cost her a lot. What would, what, why would she spend her money, that much money on Jesus? Why would she do, why would she <clears throat> basically put herself up, out on the limb? I'll tell you why. Love. Love for Jesus. She, she, she appreciated the forgiveness of her sins. <clears throat> and that's why she, 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 it caused her so, such devotion. Jesus said, those who have been forgiven much, love much. You know what? Everyone has been forgiven much, haven't we? We could say, those who are aware of the fact that they've been forgiven much, love much. Paul, he was aware of the fact. In fact, he mentions throughout his epistle, I was a persecutor of the church. I was a persecutor of the church. He never forgot that. Is it good sometimes to not forget your past? Oh yeah, it's good not to forget your past. Remember where you came from. Remember where God took you. Remember the depths of despair that you were in. I remember where I, where I was and the absolute abject darkness that I was in in my life when he came and saved my butt and gave me a purpose in life. I mean, what, what, what do we do that is a sacrifice compared to what he's done for us? Love is, love is what drove Paul. So look at Romans fifteen twenty, And thus I aspire to preach the gospel, why he loved Christ. 
not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, to support what he just said, he, he quotes scripture, Isaiah fifty-two fifteen: They who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. For this reason, I have often been prevented, I have often been prevented, he says, from coming to you. But now, with no further place for me in these regions, and since I have had for many years a longing to come to you, whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing, and to be helped on my way there by you, when I, fir- when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. But now I'm going to Jerusalem, serving the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased to do so, and they're indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, and they have, they are indebted to minister to them also in material things. That's, that's, Paul uses that principle with pastors. He says, if the pastor has sowed spiritual things among you, the congregation is indebted to the pastor to minister to him in material things. Look at verse 28. Therefore, when I have finished this and have put my seal on this food of theirs, I will go on by way of you to Spain. And he says, I know that when I come, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now, we're going to study, as I said before, verse 23. So look at, uh, we need to look at verse 23. He says, but now with no further place for me in these regions, and since I've had, had for many years a longing to come to you, now that, ver- that statement there presents a contrast with the result clause in verse 19, the B part of verse 19 on the board. I'll give you my translation of Romans 15, 19, the B part. Consequently, from Jerusalem and circuitously, as far as Illyricum, I have fulfilled the task of proclaiming the gospel about the one and only Christ. So therefore, we can see that Romans 15, 23 is contrasting Paul's circumstances. His circumstances in the past, when he was busy concentrating upon fulfilling the task of proclaiming the gospel from Jerusalem to Illyricum, with his present circumstances, and which he has completed this task. So verse 23 is comparing is compared with verse 19. It's not a, a, Verse 23 is not being compared with verse 22 or verse uh, 21 or verse 20. It's being compared with that last statement in verse 19 so, because he's contrasting his present circumstances with his past circumstances. I couldn't come to you in the past because I was busy. Not because the devil was hindering me, but because I was busy. The Spirit had me doing this work of church planting throughout the Roman Empire. Now, at this present time, I'm free of that task. I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much done with that. I've fulfilled this particular task. Now look at verse 23. He says, but now with no further place for me in these regions, and since I've had for many years a longing to come to you, whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. Now in verse 23, the, uh, the word with and then for me is a couple of words in the original. We have to go back to the original because we don't, we can't make application unless we know what the original text says. And so I briefly go through the Greek. I don't give you in detail, but it, it, that's what the Holy Spirit wrote in. I'm sorry, that, I, I can't change that. Take it up with God. So when I bring this out, I have to do this because if interpretation is based upon what the original text says, not English translations. English translations, are, a lot of them are great, but not, no one is perfect. No English translation is perfect. That's why I've always said have multiple translations and listen to the translation that your pastor has. Because I gear the translation so that you can, it, it makes application to you guys and tells you what it says. So we have here with this phrase, with, for me, is the participle form of the verb, at which means to possess. 
and its object is the word topos, which is place. And then the verb's meaning is negated by the negative adverb meketi, no longer. Now, thus Paul is saying, I no longer have... Now, that was painless right there. That was painless. There wasn't too much Greek. But Paul is saying... I have to say that because some people are making a big deal about my Greek and stuff, but those are the breaks of the game. That's what you get. Paul's saying here, I no longer have or possess an opportunity in these regions because he stated in verse 19, the B part, from Jerusalem and circuitously as far as Illyricum, I have fulfilled the task of proclaiming the gospel about the one and only Christ. The present tense of the verb is interesting because it's talking about Paul's present circumstances. When he was writing from Corinth in 57 AD, the present tense of this verb is a progressive or descriptive present. And it's what it's doing, it's describing a scene in progress. It indicates to the reader, us, that Paul at the present time no longer possesses any opportunity of planting a church anywhere from Jerusalem to Illyricum. Why? Because he already did all that. He fulfilled the task. Now, the word's a causal participle. It means that it indicates the cause or the reason for the main verb that appears in verse 24. This indicates that because Paul had no further opportunity of planting a church from Jerusalem to Illyricum, he, in fact, confidently expected to visit the Roman believers. No further is the phrase, is the word makedi. It's one word in the, in the Greek. It negates the idea that Paul possessed an opportunity in the regions from Jerusalem to Illyricum in the sense of having to plant the church as a result of fulfilling this task. The word places, the word topos, as I mentioned earlier, it means opportunity. So when he says, I have no further place, he's not talking about a geographical place. He's talking about an opportunity. So therefore, notice the importance of going back to the original. He means, I don't have any more opportunities to church plant. I've done it all. I've spent the last 20 years of my life church planting, and I'm done with it. I'm ready to move on to Spain. I want to go to Spain. I want to see Rome, and then I want to see Spain. So this word place here is topos. It means opportunity, and it's used with reference to, the, to planting churches in Gentile communities from Jerusalem and circuitously as far as Lyricum. Now you're saying, Bill, you get the big words out there circuitously. Well, let me tell you something. Circuitously means going back and forth. Here, he went, to, he went to Corinth. Then he went up to Philippi. Then he went back. He went, he went back and forth. He didn't go in, in an ark, okay? And uh, another thing, always remember, you know, when I use, sometimes I'll throw a word in there. That's the best word I, that in the English language I could find that describes what Paul's doing in the passage. And sometimes words have more than two syllables. You know, I laugh at some people. They say, I can't have technical language. Don't give me technical language. Yet they... they, they they what? They farm. takes technical language to farm. Uh, they go out and uh, build houses. They do all kinds of stuff. They're plumbers. Hey, all of those guys have technical language. You go up to me and talk about some plumbing or about building a house. I, 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 may, I know a level, okay? My father showed me a level and a hammer and a nail, okay? But there's other things about building I wouldn't have a clue. Okay, because I haven't spent time studying about being a builder or being a plumber or being a farmer. There's technical language in farming. We apply, we, we, why do we apply, can apply ourselves to that, but we can't apply ourselves to technical language in the Bible? Bob, Bob Glockman taught me that one. That was a good one. I think it was him, either him or theme. Now, all of this indicates that when Paul wrote the Roman epistle, he no longer possessed an opportunity of planting a church in those regions since he fulfilled the task of planting churches in these regions according to that statement in verse 19. Now, when he says in these regions, that refers to the provinces I showed to you on the map in Paul's day that extended from Jerusalem as far as Illyricum. Here are the provinces. I, did a, I, I went back historically 
This is where you have to go back. And you, uh, the Bible doesn't offer all this information. You have to go back to, to read sources from uh, that go back about to the first century and what what these provinces were. Sometimes the Bible mentions these provinces. The Book of Acts has done that. But these are the Roman provinces that that existed when Paul wrote Romans and resided between Jerusalem and Illyricum. And these, he all, he evangelized these. He church, he planted churches in all these provinces. We have uh, Italia. Oh, actually, Italia wasn't uh, when he planted a church there, but there was a church there. Somebody else planted it. Sicilia, Sardinia, Corsica, uh, also Pamphylia. I'm not going to read all of them. Asia Minor, Illyricum, Epirus, Thracia, Macedonia. That's where the Philippians were in the, in the Thessalonians. Achaia, that's where the Corinthians were. Uh, Cilicia, that's where Paul came from. That was in Tarsus, in, in a province, a Roman province of Asia, which is actually, um, actually Paul came from there. There was Pontus and Bithynia we saw on the map. Syria, Antioch, Syria, the, f- the first time Christians were called Christians was in Antioch, Syria. That's north of uh, Israel today. Galatia, Judea, Cappadocia, Cyprus, and Arabia, Arabia Petra. So, uh, so we see that Paul, many of these provinces... He evangelized him and his core of core of hard workers, Timothy, Titus, Tychicus, guys like that. They were they were tough guys. They were rugged individuals, and it go, just goes to show you that you can't a pastor and a, an evangelist can't do it on on his own. He needs some guys who've got grit and are willing to dig it and go out and do it, do whatever it takes to get the job done and are not quitters, that they keep fighting and keep going on even though they might have opposition. So Paul's statement here, that he no longer possessed an opportunity to proclaim the gospel in the Roman provinces extending from Jerusalem to Illyricum presents the first reason why he is confident that he will visit the Roman believers because the first echo in verse 23 is modifying the verb elpizo in verse 24. Now, when Paul says that he no longer possessed an opportunity in these Roman provinces, which extended from Jerusalem to Illyricum, it does not mean, people, he couldn't teach or proclaim the gospel anymore in these areas. Rather, he means that there was no opportunity for the specific ministry of planting a church where the gospel had never been proclaimed before. So, if you look at verse 22, he says, For this reason... I have often been prevented... Actually, you know what? I'll, let me show you on the board. I, I'll show you my translation on the board, and that's really... It's a, lot, it's a lot clearer than what we're getting on this one, but give me two seconds. I'll just show it to you here on the board. I'll keep talking for the t- guys on the tape. Or in Pal Talk, or... Let's see. Yeah, here we go. Now, if you look on the board, look at verse 22. He says, Consequently, for this reason... Good, you can see it. Consequently, for this reason, I have been habitually delayed these many times, namely from entering into the company of each and every one of you. Then look what he says, verse 23, our passage tonight. However, now, because at the present time, notice the word because, that's the causal participle form of that, oh. Now, because at the present time, I no longer possess an opportunity in these regions. And in addition, here's a second reason which we're going to note. Because I possess a passionate desire for a period of many years to enter into the company of each and every one of you, I, in fact, am absolutely certain and confidently expect to see each and every one of you for myself while passing through Rome whenever I'll be permitted to tra- uh, travel to Spain. Now, look at verse your Bibles. For this reason, I've often been prevented from coming to you, but now with no further place for me 
in these regions and because, since is bringing out the causal idea, because I've had for many years a longing to come to you whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing. So Paul's statements in verse 23 are connected to that statement in verse 24. For I hope, which talks about confidence, I hope to see you in passing. He's giving verse 23 two reasons why he has this hope or confidence that he's going to see them in passing. This, this is what verse 23 is telling us. So look at verse 23 again. He says, But now, with no further place for me in these regions, and since I have had for many years a longing to come to you, when he says, since I have... Let me get my, uh, my slide back up here on the board. When we look at the words, since I have, it's actually one word in the Greek. The word since is bringing out the causal idea of the participle. We have the participle form of the verb eo. It, it's, it appears twice in this passage. It means to possess here a particular attitude of feeling. So when he says, since I have had, it's talking about possessing a certain feeling. It's actually a, a desire, a great passionate desire. Now, longing is, the, is what I mean. When I say passionate desire, it's because of this word epipathia. Epipathia refers to a strong emotional or a passionate desire expressing Paul's attitude toward visiting the Roman believers. So when he says, but with no further place for me in these regions, and because I have had for many years a passionate desire to come to you. He had a passionate desire to come to them. Why? He's never met them. He's heard a lot of things about them, though. From who? Look at Romans 16.1. He had a love that was based upon correspondence. He's never met these guys personally. And he was passionately desired to see these people. They were very famous in the Roman Empire. Look at Romans 16.1. Many of these people, he mentions in this passage, are actually the ones who gave him reports. He knew a lot of people in Rome. He had relatives in Rome. And he, he, look what he says in verse 1. He talks about some, the person who's carrying this letter, Phoebe, uh, you can pronounce it that way, or Phoebe, we'll call it Phoebe, but Phoebe was the one who was going to deliver this letter. He let a woman deliver this letter. These are for the guys who think that women can't do a job of a man sometimes. Well, this woman was evidently a tough cookie, and she was going to deliver this epistle to the Roman believers. Verse 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is at Sancria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you, may, that you help her in whatever manner she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. Paul acknowledged people for helping him. Now look at verse 3. Now he's going to start mentioning all these people that he knew and sends greetings to. These are the people that were writing to him, corresponding to him, telling them about the Roman believers because he's never met them before, remember? So how did he know that they were full of goodness? able to admonish one another because he heard reports from these people his friends you got to see this church this church these guys are unbelievable and so he was all excited about seeing these guys and for many years as we saw last evening this desire was for many years it wasn't just for a couple of years it was for many years uh, look at it says on verse 22 for this reason Romans 15:22 just look at that quickly hold your place for this reason I have often been prevented from coming to you the word often talks about it's in the plural it means on many many times many occasions I have desired to see you I I have this passionate desire to see you guys because I've heard so many great things about you so look at verse 3 here are the people who inform Paul about the Roman believers greet Prisca or in a Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks. 
to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Also greet the church that is in their house. The early church met in homes. They didn't meet in build big buildings like this. They met in homes. These things, these big edifices we have now are not the church. It's just the building. The thing could get knocked down by a tornado or the church will still continue on. So he says in verse... Uh, now, I hope the church doesn't get knocked down by a tornado. But anyways, look at, uh, look at verse 5. Also greet the church that is in their house. Greet Epinatus, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andonicus and Junius, my kinsmen. Kinsmen, that means they're relatives of his. And my fellow prisoners who are outstanding among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. When he says his prisoners there, he's not talking about that he's in prison at that time. They've been in prison with him. <clears throat> they were true friends. They were, when he was in jail, they went to jail. Look at it, it says then in verse 8. Greet Amp- Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. And Stachus, my beloved. Greet Apelles and approved, the approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my kinsman. Greet those of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Notice that they met in homes, these people. And then also he says, greet Tryphena. And Tryphosa, workers in the Lord, they were women. Greet Persis, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord. Notice there's nothing wrong with a, uh, somebody acknowledging you. You're not going to lose. Some, some Christians are so funny. They say, oh, don't acknowledge me in public before everybody because I'll lose rewards. That's stupid. If you did it in divine power and the spirit, you forget. If the spirits guide me to say, well, I commend Doug and Jeannie. I commend Deanna. If the Holy and Titus and Jody, if the Holy Spirit's guiding me and directing me in the message, and you better hope he is, then who do you think is giving the commendation? Me, Bill, or the Holy Spirit? You're not going to lose rewards. If you did it in divine power, it will remain regardless of whether somebody acknowledges you or not. And Paul, the point I'm making is Paul acknowledged people. If they did a good job for him, he acknowledged them because he felt grateful to them. That's why you hear me say many times, I'll acknowledge certain people because I appreciate what they do. Look at verse, uh, look at verse uh, 13. Greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord, also his mother and mine. She acted like a mother for him. Greet uh, Asyncritus, uh, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brethren with them. Greet Philologus and Julia, Nereus, Nerus, excuse me, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. So there we have all those people he mentioned, and I I numbered them. I think it's around 35, 36 people, like seven women and the rest are men. But we see that he acknowledges these people. These are the people he sends greetings to. He knew these people that are in Rome. He hasn't gotten there. Why? He's been working in the Roman provinces that we mentioned earlier, getting the gospel out. Now he's telling him, I'm going to come to you, but let me drop off this gift in Jerusalem and I'll get to you, see you. And he did eventually in 60 AD as a prisoner of the Roman Empire. But see, Paul, he got information about the Roman believers, that they were a great church. And back to what you think, wait, oh, Bill, you were on a tangent, Bill. No, I wasn't on a tangent. I'm trying to make you understand why Paul says I had a passionate longing to see you in verse 23. Because he had reports about them. How could he have a passionate longing about somebody he's never met? Who's ever seen the movie, um, what's that movie, You've Got Mail? Remember that movie? Remember, who was the girl? Who was the girl? What is it? Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks, right? They had never met each other, right? 
but they had developed this this soul attraction via email, and they had a. That's the same thing. Paul had a, a not a sexual attraction, of course. We're talking about a. It's in the spiritual realm. He really greatly desired to meet these people because they were, and he had a great desire because he heard so many good things about him. So when he says in verse twenty-three, Romans fifteen twenty-three, you can go back there. But now, with no further place for me in these regions, and since or because I have had for many years or possessed a passionate desire or longing to come to you. So longing there, epipathia, refers to a strong emotional or passionate desire that Paul had toward the Roman believers that he acquired from hearing all these wonderful reports from his friends in Rome. All these wonderful reports that he received in writing from his friends in Rome about the Roman believers. Now, the, the, the word had there, since I have had, the word eo functions also as a causal participle like the first one, and that means that it indicates the causal reason for the main verb, which is I hope in verse 24. This indicates that because Paul possessed the passionate desire to visit the Christians in Rome, in addition to no longer having an opportunity to plant the church in the Roman provinces from Jerusalem to Illyricum, he in fact confidently expected to visit the Roman believers. And for many years, that indicates that for a period of many years, Paul had this passionate desire to visit the Romans. Not just, when he says, for many years a longing to come to you, he heard about them for so many years, one of these days I've got to go see these guys. You know, and, but I can't do it. The Lord's got me doing this. I have to do this. I have to finish this. Got to put my priorities in line. And here's a little point, application we can pull out. You know, Paul had what? A strong emotional attachment to these people. He wanted to visit them. If his emotions were ruled... He would have gone there before finishing the job in those provinces. He didn't go to. He didn't make plans to see them in Rome, a people he passionately desired to see, until he finished the work that God had given him. So, always remember God's will. Therefore, as we can see, comes before our emotional attachments. Abraham, perfect example, left behind his family and friends. Go, Abraham. Got to do God's will. See, he didn't let his emotions and his desire to be with his family to take him away from doing God's will. The apostles, they left behind everything to follow Jesus, Peter said. Business, homes and businesses, they didn't let their emotional attachment to family members and, and, and loved ones and friends take them away from doing God's word, to doing God's will. Now, look at verse 23. We're coming near the end. We'll wrap this up and then we'll have our take a break and do our couple of minute break and then we'll have our prayer meeting as usual. But he says in verse 22, pick it up from there, Romans 15, 22, for this reason, I've often been prevented or delayed, habitually delayed from coming to you. But now with no further place for me in these regions and because I've had for many years a longing to come to you, whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing. So when he says in ver- at the ve- end of verse 23, come to you, that's the same phrase we saw in verse 22 last evening. The word come is erkama. It means to enter into somebody's presence here. And it's, we know that because of the prepositional phrase to follow. So thus Paul is saying that he has possessed a passionate desire to enter into the company of the Roman Christians. To you, it means it's composed of a couple of words. And this is why I like to go back to the original languages, because it brings more color. To you is the preposition pros, and the personal pronouns say. Now, you've heard me say many times, when we die, we're absent from the body, 
face to face with the Lord or in the presence of the Lord. Now, where did I get that? Because the word is, in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, is pros, pros, plus the word curios. Pros means you're in the presence of somebody. Paul's saying, I can't wait to be in the presence of you. I've had a passionate, longing desire to be in your presence, like we are right now in the presence of each other. So this is what he's saying. Two reasons why he has a, confidently expects to go see the Roman believers. He confidently expects to see the Roman believers because he's, done, he's been finished his task of proclaiming, uh, proclaiming the gospel in those uh, regions of the Roman Empire from Jerusalem to Illyricum, and he's had a passionate, longing desire to enter into their presence. So the personal pronoun C, which is translated you in your Bibles at the end of verse 23, is used in a distributive sense. He's talking about each and every one of them. He says, I'm not leaving anybody out. I want to see all of you. And that refer, this word refers to every member of the body of Christ without exception, regardless of race, gender, or social status. It functions as the, as the object of the, proposi- uh, the preposition pros, as I said before, which is used with the Roman believers, used with the Roman believers, and it speaks of a personal, intimate fellowship between Paul and the Roman believers. And it denotes his coming into the company of or into the presence of the Roman believers. So he wants to have fellowship with them. That's what he wants to do. And I'll, show, I'll take you in a passage in a second which shows that. In fact, I'm going to do it right now. This is not the first time in the Roman epistle, as he's mentioning here in verse 23 of Romans chapter 15, this isn't the first time in the Roman epistle that he expresses a desire to see the Roman believers. He does this in Romans 1, 10 through 15, and also Acts 19, 21 and 23 and 11 talk about his desire, the Spirit's going to lead him to Rome. Now, you don't have to hold your place, but look at Romans chapter 1, please. Go back to the very first chapter. And this will be our last verse for the evening. Look at verse 8, Romans 1, 8. Romans 1, 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. That, that doesn't mean China. It's, it's, it's basically hyperbole. He's talking about, he's, what he's talking about there is he's talking about that he's done the Roman Empire. That's what he's talking about. I've evangelized. The, I, everybody in the Roman Empire knows about your faith. All the churches do. That's what he's saying. Verse 9. For, what's hyperbole? That's a, a bit of an exaggeration. Look at verse 9. For God whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness as to how unceasingly, unceasingly I make mention of you. And is pr- always in my prayers making requests. That's why if you hear about a Christian, add him to your fa- prayer list. That's what I do. I hear about a pastor. I know. I find out, or somebody I get a book of somebody I'm reading. I put them on my prayer list. Your prayer list should be. I mean, if you've been a Christian, you should have a prayer list. Long, write it down. I, I do a mental prayer list because I like to do that uh, because it keeps me sharp mentally. But do a mental prayer list and add people, even people you don't know, and you know the people you've come in that you've come into your life in the past. Put them. I put my coaches from baseball when I was a kid. Everybody, I try to think of everybody, I try to, and it's kind of cool, and, and then what you do is you put them all on your list, even people Paul didn't meet, he put on his prayer list. That's how I learned it from, I didn't, I'm not that spiritual, he's the one who's spiritual, the spirit is. Look at verse 10 again, he says, always in my prayers making requests, if perhaps now at last by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, the verbal form of that word longing in verse 23 of Romans chapter 15, 
I've had a passionate desire to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift. The spiritual gift is an unfortunate translation. It means a spiritual blessing. How? By communicating the word of God. So when you communicate the word of God, you're imparting a spiritual blessing. So to you, he says he wants to do this, that you may be established, strengthened in your, Christ, your walk with God. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you. See, he, he'll be encouraged by them while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I've often planned to come to you and have been prevented so far. Now we know why from chapter 15, because he was working. He was busy working. So that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation to both Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also, who are in Rome. And notice, he's saying, I want to preach the gospel to the, you Roman believers. So notice the gospel is not just in relation to the unsaved. It's, the gospel is also a term that's used in relation to believers. So look on the board, and let's look at my translation, of verses 22, 23, and 24. They all go together. That's why I've been throughout the evening, not just looking at verse 23. You can't understand verse 23 without the other verses. So look on the board, and then I, want, I just want to uh, summarize a couple of things about these, verse 23. In verse 22, Paul says on the board, Consequently, for this reason, I have been habitually delayed these many times, namely from entering into the company of each and every one of you. However, verse 23, Now, at this time, because at the present time I no longer possess an opportunity in these regions, and in addition because I possess a passionate desire for a period of many years to enter into the company of each and every one of you, I, in fact, am absolutely certain and confidently expect to see each and every one of you for myself while passing through Rome whenever I will be permitted by the Holy Spirit to travel to Spain. And in addition, to be helped on my journey there by all of you as a corporate unit when I have first temporarily enjoyed your company. So to summarize what we learned here this evening in verse 23, remember it's giving us two reasons Verse 23 has given us two reasons why Paul confidently expected that he'd see the Roman believers. To summarize, we see that verse 23 is presenting a contrast between Paul's circumstances in the past when he was busy proclaiming the gospel from Jerusalem to Illyricum with his present circumstances. 57 AD from the city of Corinth in which he had completed his task of proclaiming the gospel in those regions of the Roman Empire which we mentioned earlier. The, ver the first, verse 23, presents two reasons why he was confident of visiting the believers in Rome. The first is that he had no longer an opportunity to plant a church in the provinces of the Roman Empire that stretched from Jerusalem and circuitously as far as Illyricum. Why do we know that? Because he states that in verse 19, that he fulfilled this task. And then the second reason, to close, Paul confidently expected to visit the Roman Christians. The second reason was that he possessed, the, that he knew that he was going to see them. It's because he himself possessed a great desire for a period of many years to enter into their company. And that was a spirit-inspired desire. It was a spiritual attraction that they had to each other. That's why he knew, that was the second reason why he knew he was going to get to Rome. And who gave him this confidence that he was going to get to Rome? The Holy Spirit who inspired him to write this. So Paul got his confidence in life from the Spirit. Paul knew what the will of God was for his life. He got it from the Spirit. And so Paul is continuing here to continue to uh, show us, give us some insight into his life at this particular time. 
and ins insight into his ministry uh, on behalf of the Gentiles. So we ran out of time. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to study your word. We pray that the Holy Spirit would challenge us with the things that we've learned here this evening and help us to apply these things and to uh, get a greater appreciation for you and your son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit and what you're doing for us through them and will do for us in the future. And we pray, Father, that also that you would give us traveling mercies on the way home for those in the chapel and also guide and direct the prayer meeting and the fellowship after through the power of the Spirit. In our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.